News Network. It's one big club, and you ain't in it. George Carlin said that in a concert to thunderous applause. Few took it seriously because it was an act after all. Huh. Well, World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, J.P. Morgan Chase, a sitting congressperson says we're in charge now, central bank digital currency, armed tax collectors, massive corporate surveillance and censorship. Are you paying attention yet? Carlin as profit. Who knew? You want to know another? Dan Newman. George Carlin. I never thought of him anything like uh, a prophet or a foreteller. He was a really good comedian. And did you know he was in the Air Force? Do you know he lived right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base? And he worked part-time at a radio station that I used to work for. Good morning, everybody. I know that doesn't mean anything. I just thought of it as our intro included a little bit about George Corlin wisdom. (laughs) I hope you had a wonderful weekend and you're getting a good start. Rain, storms, electricity out all over our area. I hope you missed it. And I hope everything is going your way. It always go your way, right? Always goes your way. Everything goes smooth all the time. Well, maybe not everything, but almost everything.
just like Michael McDonald. I bet you can tell those of you that are listening to the show pretty regularly. He's one of the best of all time. Very, very creative. I've never heard anybody with a voice just like his. That's amazing. Anyway, all that being said, look back at last week. Was it a good one for you? Did it end better than it began? Maybe it wasn't good at all, but guess what? The best is yet to come. That's a promise you need to wake up to every morning and believe it because it's the truth. If you wake up every morning and the first thoughts, or maybe the second or third thoughts even, are, oh my gosh, what bad is going to happen to me today? Probably something bad will happen to you today. But if you wake up and say, the best is yet to come, and today it's going to begin, and I'm awake now, I did wake up, I didn't die during the night, so that's a good start. You're going to live your life based upon what you think. I'm going to say that again. You're going to live your life. We are all living our our lives based on what we think. Now, hopefully the things we think are truths. Many cases around us, the mob rule doesn't accept the truth. We will cover scores of those kinds of things in today's show and throughout this week. Our government is in really bad shape. And because our government's in really bad shape, many of us are facing horrors that we never thought we would see, let alone see in our own country, see in our own states, our own cities, and our own homes. And it's because of nothing more than an election. Who would have ever thought the election system in the United States would be the backbone of what this nation is? And so if you think through that process, if you believe what I said is true, then you understand what I'm talking about. All it takes is one election to undo a whole lot of really good things. All it takes is one election to destroy the structure and almost all the fabric of the nation, and it doesn't matter if it's 246 years old. Look at what's happening around us. I don't need to talk to you and itemize all the bad stuff that's happened and is happening. I don't need to remind you that in our government bureaucracy, and I'm including in the bureaucracy of our government, I'm including Congress, the Department of Justice, and that separate entity that's really not separate. It is part of the DOJ, but they sure act like and get treated like they are a separate branch of government. What am I talking about? The FBI, the executive branch is full of bureaucracy, and boy, is not our justice system the same? Judges are turning to politics to make life and death decisions for millions of people every week, every month, when all they're supposed to make those determinations on is the law. It should begin and end with the law. At every level, local, state, federal, even the Supreme Court. Men have found ways to bend facts and to make people believe things that are untrue, and even in our court systems. 
Wow. So who's going to fix this? Who can fix it? The only way it's going to be fixed, only way it can be fixed, is if we the people, we make ourselves heard loudly, clearly. What do we accept? What do we reject? What do we want? What do we want gone? All of those things, we have access to do that, to share our thoughts on that. What is it? It's called the election cycle. Well, Dan, you know, although nobody in government now can talk about it because they'll get sued or they'll get busted in a court somewhere, the election of 2020, it just didn't seem like it was right. Well, guess what? You're one of more than 100 million Americans that feel that same way. But just because you don't talk about something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You can't imagine anything away. If it's substantive, which our election system and the way it rolls out every election cycle, it's real. It's there. And it is broken. There have been many changes done at the state level, which is where election structure has to be determined. Even in federal elections, our forefathers put that in the Constitution. We don't. They didn't want. We still don't want a nationally run election because if that ever happens, what it means, we the people are smoke. We're gone when it comes to determining election results. Whatever the political party is in charge in Washington, D.C. at the time, they'll determine the outcome of every election. We see it happen in every other non-democratic nation on the earth, why would it be different for us? Are we better than everybody else? Well, we used to be. I'm beginning to think we're no longer the number one nation on the planet. I can't tell you who is, but I know ours is so badly broken, I don't see how it gets fixed very easily if it gets fixed at all. And when you have members of Congress that will not even talk about the election system based upon what happened in 2020. No one of them. They don't want to talk about it anymore. It's faux pas. It's something taboo. The mob will come after you and destroy you if you dare question the election results of 2020. Look what they've done to Donald Trump. Look what they're doing to Donald Trump. Look what they did to him, impeached him twice already because they don't like the fact that he doesn't tow the mob line. By the way, I watched a little bit of of a television show last night. I won't even tell you the name of it, but the person that runs that show is a constitutional expert an attorney. Nobody questions his expertise. In a recent book he published, he went back and did a history lesson of the Democrat Party. He too, by the way, and I said he, so you're probably going to figure out who it is, Mark Levin. He too calls the Democrat Party, not the Democratic Party, which is their legal name. They're not Democratic at all. 
They're not. They're all in for mob rule, whatever they say, whatever the autocrats at the top of the Democrat Party in government and out of government, whatever they say is the rule of law. It's the Democrat Party. They're not democratic. If it was a democratic operation, the blue-collar American people would have just as much say-so about all of their policies and everything to do with the party as the elite bureaucrats at the top. That's not even remotely close to true. He did, in a recent book he published, Mark Levin, an analysis of the history looking all the way back to the very beginning of the Democrat Party and what they're all about. You've heard me talking about autocracy for months and several years. Autocrats, autocracy, totalitarianism, you've heard me talking about it. The Democrat Party is a true representative of authoritarian government. If you want to disagree with me, do that. I'm not an attorney and certainly not a constitutional expert. But I can look around. You can look around. You tell me how in the world in a democratic society, a nation, would a single-handed act by one person destroy an entire industry, if not the most important industry in the United States. It's in the top two. Our energy sector in our society. More people rely on that for 90%, some more than that, of their ability to function. Our energy sector. Information has come out that proves green energy is a fake. If I have time today, I'll get into it. Sometimes on this show, it's hard to pick a topic like that and have the time and keep an audience glued in to be able to break it down in 30, 45 minutes an hour, even two hours on this show. But it is a scam. It will never work. And what did Joe Biden do on the first day? Not because he had a better idea, a better deal. It's because the Democrat Party wants green energy to displace fossil fuel energy. It won't happen. It cannot happen. It's ineffective, not affected any place on the planet. And yet these yahoos in the Democrat Party think they're better than anybody and everybody else. Therefore, they're more knowledgeable, they're more intellectual. And if they say green energy is what has to be implemented for the American people, our country, and the rest of the world to survive, you have no right to disagree with them. Science proves they're true. By the way, science doesn't prove it. For every scientist they throw up there that legitimizes green energy, there are two scientists that are real scientists that disagree. The science does not bear it out. It doesn't work. And we, the people, are paying the price. Our middle class is gone under Joe Biden. Why is that? 
Green New Energy, the Green New Deal is one of the reasons it's happened. And I don't think they thought it would be as disastrous on our economy as it has been. And they have no plans to change a thing. Tell me why. Honestly, be honest with yourself. Why do you think, why do you think they are so adamant to ignore the rule of law? Think about that. If we don't talk about anything else right now, let's talk about that. The rule of law. Can you imagine a scenario back in 1780, 90, 1800? Can you imagine any kind of circumstance would be allowed that's being not only allowed but encouraged and applauded where our southern border is open and we allow 10 to 15 million illegals come from every country on the planet and just walk in, we embrace them, we give them cell phones, we give them cash, we provide housing, food, and clothing, we teach their kids, we give them free health care, and every single one of them that stepped across the border when they did, they broke federal laws. And every person in our federal government that suborned that action, they broke a federal law. Why isn't Joe Biden, why isn't Alejandro Mayorkas, why aren't the Democrat Party leaders in Congress, why are they not being held liable for it? There should be arrests and prosecutions. Well, Dan, they're really conscientious people. They love these people. They want to help them achieve the goals that they can't possibly achieve in those third world countries. You can't do it illegally, folks. It's part of the process and the structure of the United States of America. The rule of law. Well, Congress, these evil MAGA Republicans, they won't work with the Democrats in fixed immigration. Well, guess what? The members of the Senate, the members of the House, who do they represent? They don't represent a political party. They represent people that they represent. On the the House side, the congressional side, they represent a specific district in the state in which they live. Those are the people they represent. The Senate, they represent the states they come from, the whole state. Our forefathers structured it so that the House side is determined by the population. Every There are 435 congressional districts, House districts in the United States. There always will be. They're based on population. On the Senate side, there are two senators for every state. Can you imagine a scenario that they would think it's okay for us not to enforce any laws the people of the United States vote on sending those lawmakers up there those lawmakers represent the people that voted for them why doesn't Congress change the immigration law it's because they are the voices of Americans not the Democrat Party not the Republican Party not Joe Biden not 
Donald Trump. We, the people, are voicing our opinions. And we haven't seen on our election ballot legalization of open borders. It hadn't been there. You know why? That's not part of voting. We vote for the people we want to represent us and the ideals that they go to D.C. with from us. The reason Republicans don't work with the Democrats on blowing away our immigration laws is because the people they represent, not enough of them want it. If there ever is a time when there is a majority that want to change those laws, they'll tell their representatives in the House and the Senate, and they do it. No president has the authority to do that. No president has authority to overrule any federal law except Joe Biden. He's done it since his first day in office. He's getting blistered in courts. He's gotten so brazen when he issues one of those idiotic, unconstitutional executive orders. He knows it's going to be challenged in court, but guess what? He and his predecessor, two presidents before him, they put enough activist judges in the federal system. They know that there's a good shot. Those executive orders will not be overturned or it's going to take one, two, maybe three years to get it through the court system. And by that time, they can change the face of the nation. And don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I look around right now. They've changed the face of the nation. They're being successful in their quest. What are we doing? Congressman Mike Johnson on with us on the Friday show. Good friend. I think a great lawmaker. We didn't even talk about the budget deal and the possible forfeiting on our debt obligations. Why didn't we talk about it? He didn't want to. Is he afraid to talk about it? No. He's not. Well, then why didn't we do it? That's a question only he can answer. Why aren't we all asking our lawmakers about it? I did, and I haven't gotten an answer. Why are they afraid to address the 2020 election system for one reason and one reason only? Not to denigrate the results of that election, but to make sure that doesn't happen anymore, that it doesn't happen ever again. Well, elections, all of those are governed and the laws that frame them come from the state level. So it's those state legislatures that have to change those laws. There are about 13 governors and state legislatures that did just that since 2020. But do you hear about that? I find it. I tell you about it when I find it. The reason you don't hear about it except right here, the Democrat party has control of the legacy media. They will not report on stuff like that. They don't want average Americans that are too busy to come to a place like TNN Live 
So they'll just get instant quick fixes. They'll go to CNN or MSNBC. And the reason they choose those, they're going to go look around. They're going to surf for information and news. And they're going to come across Fox News, come across Newsmax, come across TNN Live and Truth News Network. But then when they're going flipping channels again, MSNBC's on there saying, you can't trust those evil MAGA Republicans. You can't trust those guys. Donald Trump wants to be the dictator. Donald Trump wants authoritarian rule. He wants to destroy our democracy. They've been saying it for years. When they're the ones that are doing that exact stuff themselves, And Americans, many I know, are really good people. They're standing back there going, go get those evil MAGA Republicans. Let's get Donald Trump and put him in jail. We got to stop this madness. What's wrong with that scenario? What's wrong with it? It's the same thing that's wrong with why Joe Biden is in the trouble he's in right now. Well... He's in that trouble because those evil MAGA Republicans want to go after him. They want to do anything they can to destroy him. Joe Biden, I never talk to my son or my brother about their foreign business associations. I never talk to any of those clients of my son and his businesses. He lied when he said every bit of that. It's been proven over and over and over again. So let me ask you this. You got a liar in the White House. Well, you've got to honor the office of the presidency. You can't say that about Joe Biden. I'll say it about Joe Biden. I'd say it to his face because it's true. I respect the office of the presidency when the person that's occupying that seat in the Oval Office is not lying to the American people, is not cheating the American people, and is comporting to and with the rule of law, which is what is that's the biggest part of his oath of office that he laughed at when he walked off that podium inauguration day. He was never going to do those things that would not assist the Democrat Party's cause. Does that describe something to you? Yeah, authoritarianism. That's exactly what it is. It's when laws that were duly passed by the people's representatives are ignored and a smaller group of power junkies have the power and are using it every day to install authoritarian rule. That's why these Republicans in Congress, many of them, not all of them, thank God, but many of them won't even talk about the wrongdoing in this administration When Donald Trump farted in public, they were all over him on legacy media. Now, that is a gross misrepresentation. I get it. But the whole substance of what I said is true. And you know it. Mr. President, President Biden, if you were so freaking lily clean, why don't you stop all of this? You can stop it today. You know how? Give us the facts that vindicate all the things that you told us were absolute, that one by one, two by two, 20 by 20 
have been discovered and exposed as being lies. If you're innocent, just show us. Show us your personal bank records. Show us the documentation on those 20 shell corporations that exist and your family members got money from. 20 different ones. Why don't you show us that? Now, if you're a parent, you got a kid, you got a kid that's caught lying all the time. Have you ever said to your kid, son, daughter, you keep telling me that over and over again. You keep screaming and hollering at me. If you've got the truth, just show it to me. And I'll apologize, and we'll move on down the road together. Why can't Joe Biden, why can't the number one politician on the earth, why can't he do that? You know why. It's, if not all of it, much of it is true. He has been criminalizing the office of the vice president and the presidency. And when he was a senator, you can book it. Do you have evidence? No, I don't. But what we do know of is 30 million, and oh, by the way, over the weekend came out, it's going to be 50 to 75 million. And when they start this impeachment inquiry, we are told there's more hard evidence that is going to be out there. Well, if we get that evidence out there, we're we're there. We're, we'll be done with all this stuff. We won't have to worry about it. He'll be impeached. We'll get rid of him, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. Let me give you an example. I don't believe I've ever done this on this show. I think you can probably gather I'm a little hacked off today. (laughs) I'm just tired of leaders doing what they're doing and they're not doing their jobs. And we're the ones that are paying the price. By the way, found out this morning in Louisiana, we're paying $700 a month minimum more for the same things, goods and services in Louisiana we paid on January 20th of 2021, the day Joe Biden was elected. $700 a month. You do the math. Where's that coming from? It's coming if you're not getting a sufficient raise to compensate for that. It's coming out of your pocket. You're having to reach back in your pocket. 8% mortgage interest? Come on now. Come on now. It's doubled. Mortgage rates have more than doubled since he's been president. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Years and years ago, when I was in college, I had a good friend that played football, tight end, from a Christian family from South Louisiana, and his dad was a deacon on a denominational church, and I won't tell you the name of the church. But in this church, one of the fundamental tenets that they believe is if you walk down the aisle of a church in a service and shake the preacher's hand and make a decision to serve Christ, from that point going forward to the end of your life, You will, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven when you die. Of 
course, that flies in the face of many scriptures in the Bible. But I was, I was in South Louisiana. Louisiana Tech played a game down there. And after the game, we spent the night at this guy's house. And his dad, who was a deacon in a church, came and we, uh, now this is late night because after a football game, you know, it's 10, 30, 11, even, may have even been midnight. I don't know, but I, I was tired. Everybody was tired. And for some reason, he launched into a tirade because we were part of an evangelical group that believes in the Bible purely regarding sin and the, the consequences of sin, that we have an advocate. Jesus was the Son of God, still is. When he died, he rose from the dead, and because he died on the cross, we can pray for forgiveness when we sin. And the Bible says very clearly, if you confess your sins... God will be faithful to forgive you for your unrighteousness. Now, there's a what and an if in that scripture. If we confess our sins and turn from our wicked ways. It doesn't say, hey, shake the preacher's hand. You can sin forever. Now, this is a deacon in a church that believes that. And he got so mad, he looked at me. And I'm always respectful. Remember, I was probably 19 years old, 18 years old. I didn't turn eight. I graduated from high school when I was 17. I didn't turn 18 until July that summer. But I didn't get in his face or holler, raise my voice. I just stated some facts. And I quoted that scripture. And I think he got PO'd at me because he stood up and pointed his finger at me, and he said this, and this is a direct quote. If I die today in the arms of another man's wife and I'm stone drunk, I will wake up in heaven. He believed it. You know what? That's between him and God. That's not politics. In politics... We need to start demanding actual, cold, hard facts from everybody. And you know what? I don't have a problem with asking any government official anything. I really don't. I don't want to get in trouble with the IRS, with the FBI, with the CIA. I don't want to get in trouble with my state government agencies. And I'm going to abide by the rule of law. Why can't these government officials just do the same thing? And oh, by the way, I didn't stand up when I got elected and pledge an oath to the U.S. Constitution, to the state of Louisiana and its laws and the constitutional laws. I didn't do that. They all have. So why don't they just do the right thing, which is do what you promised the people that elected you. Do it. And if you don't like the laws, Mr. President, change the laws. You ain't got the power to overrule the laws of the land. Where does he get that? Oh, yeah, I remember now. I'm Joe Biden. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. 
between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. give you an example and if i offended anybody in that segment that first segment i'll apologize for offending you but i'm not going to apologize for saying what i said because what i said it's not just an emotional feeling that i have those are facts let me give you an example we talk about the media being the lap dogs from the left you probably heard And I don't know why it happened, but early yesterday morning, the Washington Post published the findings of a poll that the Washington Post, the most liberal newspaper in America, even more liberal than the New York Times, they colluded with ABC, ABC News, which again has become their news department, one of the most liberal in the nation. So you've got the most liberal newspaper in the nation, a national newspaper, and you've got the most liberal news department of any television network in the nation, ABC News. They went together and did a poll, and they released it yesterday morning. In the poll, they found out from the American people that were polled, if the presidential election were held today, Trump would win. 52 to 42% over Joe Biden. Respondents to the poll also held a very poor view of Biden's handling of the economy and the U.S.-Mexico border in addition to his age. You put those three together, folks, it's pretty comprehensive and it's awe-inspiring. Not good for the Democrat Party or for the president. So guess what the Post did? 
they downplayed today the results of its own poll. After the poll showed Trump was such a commanding lead, here's what it says. This is in the Washington Post today. Quote, the sizable margin of Trump's lead in this survey is significantly at odds with other public polls that show the general election contest a virtual dead heat. The difference between this poll, they say, and others, as well as the unusual makeup of Trump's and Biden's coalitions in this survey, suggest it is probably an outlier. In other words, what they're saying is of all the other polls that are out there and the results that they show, it's basically a virtual dead heat. There's got to be something wrong with this one. It's an outlier. Let let me just, I've got a long, extensive um, business background. Let's just leave it at that. Big company, small company, working for big companies, working for small companies. So I understand how many times what's said publicly may not necessarily be the factual sense or feelings of the people in charge in these corporations, but it's got to fit the narrative of who they quote-unquote serve with their goods and services. So who owns the Washington Post? Anybody know? Jeff Bezos. Who's Jeff Bezos? Um, The principal owner of what? Amazon. Jeff Bezos is a hard, hard, hardcore leftist, and he despises Donald Trump. Now, his newspaper, his newspaper, he personally, therefore, funded at least half of this poll. And it's in his newspaper. And the company he owns, the guy that hates Trump and hates conservatism and hates conservatives, even though he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet because of capitalism, which comes from the process put together by those corporate conservatives. (laughs) He can't take it. Symbolism over substance. Hey, hey, y'all in D.C., This is Jeff, Jeff Bezos. You remember me? You know, y'all put that poll out that I paid for along with the uh, horrible people over at ABC News. This thing, it can't be true. You can't put this out there and say this is the feeling and the sense of the American people, knowing that this is an aberration from the normal. I want a disclaimer. Call it something that you come up with a unique word to label it so the American people will at least question. They won't believe this this poll. They're going to at least question it if they don't believe it. And so those brain surgeons in the editorial department at the Washington Post put their heads together and they came up with the name, the label, outlier, O-U-T-L-I-E-R. That means outside the circle the circle that contains 
most everything that is right. Meanwhile, Biden's approval rating sits at a whopping 37%, according to the same poll, while 56% of respondents actively disapprove of his presidency. 56%. Biden's facing a crisis of confidence among his own party members as well, with roughly 60%—60%—60% of Democrat and Democrat-leaning respondents— say they would prefer a different nominee. The critics cite Biden's age, his handling of the economy, and the ongoing border crisis as pain points with his administration. Now, here we are. We're at what time now? 1047 Eastern Time. This is more than 24 hours after this story came out. Democrat Party, Biden hadn't mentioned it, hadn't said a word about it. You know why? They got to put their talking points together to make sure they say it the right way. Now, those, those weren't the only things that were in this poll. Let me tell you about a couple of other ones. The impeachment inquiry that McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy initiated, it polled well. 58% of those polled said that Biden is being held accountable under the law like any other president. Just 32% argued he was being unfairly victimized. Trump also holds an aggressive lead over Biden among younger voters, sporting a 20% lead over Biden among voters 35 and under. You think about that now. What does that tell you? These are the people that are engaged in media like no one else. So they're hearing, seeing, reading, watching all of this stuff that interests them. And these younger voters have always had the tendency to skew toward the left. They don't like him. Trump's 20 points ahead of him. Age remains one of the most unpopular factors for Biden's re-election campaign. However, 70% of respondents say he's too old to hold office, just too old, while just half say the same of Trump. Biden's 80. He's the oldest person ever to run for president, followed closely by Trump, 77. Biden would be 82 by the time he enters office for second term. Now, how many people did they include in this? A sample of 1,006 people. U.S. adults contacting them through both landlines and cell phones. Margin of 3.5%. Margin of error. Obviously, we've got well over a year to go before we have this election. We're going to hear so much of this. Don't get caught up in it. Please, don't get caught up in it. So what else is happening? Yeah, that's not the only thing. Did you hear about New Jersey U.S. Senator, longtime New Jersey U.S. Senator Bob Menendez? He and his wife got indicted on some really, really ugly things. Let me give you the details in this whole thing. It's a really big deal because he's the chair of the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee in, in the Senate, which is one of the most powerful committees in the Senate. This is a really big deal. Senator Bob Menendez 
plans to say more today about the criminal charges against him and his wife. They're accused of a conspiracy to commit bribery, fraud, and extortion. And the New Jersey Democrat is under big pressure to resign from the Senate. Scott McFarlane is on Capitol Hill with more on this story. Scott, good morning. It seems so far the senator is doubling way down. Hey, Gail, good morning. Senator Menendez has temporarily stepped down as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, but has given no indication he'll step down from his Senate seat. In fact, he continues to deny the allegations and will face cameras this morning amid calls for him to go. I do believe that it is in the best interests uh, for Senator Menendez to resign in this moment. A growing number of fellow Democrats are calling on New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez to step down after a federal corruption indictment alleges he took bribes from a foreign power. The details in this indictment are extremely serious. The indictment, unsealed Friday, alleges Menendez shared highly sensitive information about the U.S. Embassy in Cairo, sought to interfere in criminal prosecutions, and used his power and influence as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in exchange for bribes in the form of cash, some found in a coat with Menendez's name, gold bars, a Mercedes-Benz, and even home mortgage payments. Senator Menendez allegedly provided sensitive non-public U.S. government information to Egyptian officials and otherwise took steps to secretly aid the government of Egypt. Menendez will have to appear Wednesday in federal court in New York, along with his wife Nadine and three other co-defendants. A defiant Menendez responded, It is not lost on me how quickly some are rushing to judge a Latino and push him out of his seat. I'm not going anywhere. And most Democrats in the Senate, where they have a slim majority, are not ready to call for him to go either. In terms of resignation, that's a decision to be made by Senator Menendez and the people of New Jersey. Democratic Governor Phil Murphy is among the Democrats calling on Menendez to resign, and he would appoint Menendez's replacement if that were to happen. Also, New Jersey Democrat Andy Kim has announced he'll run for Menendez's seat next year. That one is going to take a while to play out. And it's one of those things, the way, if I read the indictments, went online and read them, the way it looks and sounds, there's a really serious case that has a lot of factual evidence. And you may have forgotten he was indicted, I think, four or five years ago for some similar charges. And he got, he didn't get exonerated. He got out of it. They'll say, oh, he he was proven that he didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't. It was a hung jury, and it took so long and was so costly, the prosecutors up there, for whatever reason or reasons, decided not to retry him, so he just got off with that. We'll keep our eyes on him, but expect something really big to happen coming up. He's going to be in court on Wednesday of this week. We'll follow this for you. It's a, it's a really big deal. So what's happening in our government over the weekend. If you were with us Friday, heard Mike Johnson talking about it. They were held over. Speaker McCarthy held them over through the weekend because they've got to get these uh, bills put together separately and get them passed in the House before this 30th coming up in just seven days. Think about that. Six days, actually. Think about that. When we run out of Monday, later in the week, We'll get into the ramifications of if you really do default on our debt, what does it mean? It's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not fatal because a lot of the things that would happen, it's 
it's not going to happen on one day. It's going to take even months. But there are some things that we need to be mindful for. What did they do over the weekend? Well, Democrats stepped up to the plate. Uh-oh, this can't be good. Democrats said they will help Republican legislators and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Democrats will help you. We'll help you avoid a government shutdown. But here's what we want. If we come in and help you, we want $3.3 billion to accelerate the inflow of those wage-cutting, rent-spiking, illegal aliens. Wow. The migration price, that's what they're calling it, <laughs> migration price, was described by Democrat Whip Representative Catherine Clark of Massachusetts, who told Politico, we want him, talking about McCarthy, to live up to the agreement that he made with President Biden. We want to get disaster aid out for migration. We want to continue our support for Ukraine, and we want them to end this sham of an impeachment inquiry. In other words, everything we're doing wrong, we want you to give us a blank check and just push us on through the line, and we'll help you stop this default thing. She called it disaster aid, but it's not. It refers to the spending request by Joe Biden back in August, which includes $3.3 billion dollars to give transport and welfare to the millions of migrants who have been invited by Biden's deputies to take our jobs and our housing. The package also includes another $24 billion to help Ukraine fight its war against Russia, despite the massive death toll and the risk of nuclear escalation. The war is strongly backed by U.S. economic interests who hope to profit from a post-war Ukraine. Defense contractors, those are all the companies. Let me, let me just give you a quick education about how this works. Many people that work in the Pentagon, various jobs, could be active in the military, could be a bureaucrat in uh, the Pentagon just doing different things. When it comes time to step away, there's always a big, big defense corporation out there that wants to hire you because you can get them access to the people you knew when you worked at the Pentagon and maybe even at the Capitol among politicians. So they'll give you big money, but you've got to go cut deals to get them the big contracts with our government for anything and everything to do with the military. Those are the ones that are driving this. This representative, Clark, from Massachusetts, believes she has the leverage to demand money for migration because a very small group of House Republicans blocked McCarthy's effort on Thursday to push through a spending bill before the government's financial year ends on September 30th. If the deadline is missed, the government must stop spending money, as w- which I told you is not true, certain kinds of money. And the Democrats can use their media allies to blame the Republicans for the disruption. Democrats are also trying to win a handful of GOP votes so they can push their own pro-migration spending plans out of the House 
through a discharge petition because they think they can get it over at the Senate and they can control that. There's only a handful of moderate Republicans they have to get change their thoughts. That petition plan would likely include most of the Clark's priorities we just gave to you, including the money for those additional migrants. So far, two GOP reps from New York, that would be Mark Molinaro and Mike Lawler, are suggesting they may join the Democrats. Lawler's district leans Democrat, and in March, he suggested he would endorse an immigration amnesty that would also provide more workers and renters to his state's investors. Now, what does all this tell you? What did that entire charade that I just gave to you, what does it tell you? It's all about money. It's about money. And anything and everything, money doesn't exist out there by itself. Somebody has the money and somebody else wants the money So what do you have to do to make that transition take place? You've got to do something for the giver, and you've got to do something for the wanter, and you've got to try to find space in the middle. And the folks that normally are the reconcilers, the ones that find space in the middle, those are the ones with a handout, and those are the ones that usually get money out of the deal. And most of those people work, formerly worked in the government, but now they work for the defense contractors. If you if you do a Google search, try it sometime, do this. Former government officials who now work for defense contractor companies, it will blow your mind, the names that you'll see. There are hundreds of them, and there's big money in it. I mean, when those contracts come out for those jets for any kind of military hardware, other necessities in the government, they're trying to find shortcuts to get to the front of the line so they can provide their goods and services to our government for a fee. Now, we talk about this debt problem that we have and the renewal coming up and a potential default. Matt Gates, firebrand, member of the House of Representatives, he's a Republican from Florida. He's going postal about this, not voting to approve the spending package unless certain conservative things are fulfilled and part of it. And so far, He and other conservatives in the House of Representatives are finding out it's not going to be a laydown issue. It's not something that's going to be resolved quickly or easily if it gets resolved at all. And, of course, everybody that wants to get it done like that, they're willing to give up whatever it takes to give up to get it done. Matt Gates is not one of those. He got into it yesterday with Maria Bartiromo. Here's Gates and Romo. Now joining us, one of the people holding up an agreement uh, to fund the government, Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for being here this morning. 
Oh, uh, thank you. I, I'm glad I get to respond to your monologue, because if you're saying that I'm standing in the way of all the Republican wins, I'd love you to enumerate them. Watching my friend and mentor, Jim Jordan, it was it was quite painful because he started by saying we should only pick one fight, the border. But then as the interview went on, he said, well, we should pick a second fight, Jack Smith. And by the time the interview rounded out, he was saying that we shouldn't be funding Ukraine without a plan. And yet the very continuing resolution that you and Jim Jordan seem to be for continues to have three hundred million dollars more for Ukraine. So I think we ought to fight on all fronts. I think the border is very important. And the best way for us to advance the Republican border policies is to pass the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, do that along with veterans, defense, ag, state and foreign ops. We'll have 73 percent of the discretionary uh, budget funded. And if, you know, the Department of Labor and Education have to shut down for a few days as we get their appropriations in line, uh, that's certainly not something that is is uh, optimal. But I think it's better than continuing on the current path we are to America's financial ruin. Congressman, I understand. And that is why you are on this program this morning, because I want to give you a fair shot and I want to get your, you uh, heard. So tell me why you are threatening Speaker McCarthy and trying to shut down this government uh, at a time that the Republicans have finally gotten some upper hands here uh, in terms of wins, able to investigate President Biden on what looks like uh, bribery. Yeah, we don't put our pencils down in the investigation of President Biden during a shutdown. So the premise is false. Second, if Kevin McCarthy was actually serious about pursuing the Bidens, he would have sent Hunter Biden a subpoena by now. That's how you know this is sort of failure theater that you're observing. During the first year of Democrat control of the Congress, they brought in Donald Trump Jr. three times over nothing over a nothing burger. And so we seem to be fundamentally unserious in our oversight. But what is serious is the fact that we are spending more than $7 trillion a year, bringing in around $5 trillion a year. And uh, it, I want to fund the government. I'm not pro-shutdown, but the way to fund the government is not the same way we've been doing it since the mid-90s, where it's one up or down vote on the entire government all at once. We should have separate single-subject spending bills. Kevin McCarthy promised that in January. He is in breach of that promise. So I'm not here to hold the government hostage. I'm here to hold Kevin McCarthy to his word. Are there Freedom Caucus members also out of compliance? They were also on the Appropriations Committee. Where is the responsibility for them? Are they also out of compliance? No, uh, the, I'm not a member of the Freedom Caucus. I'll let them speak for themselves. But take, for example, the border. This issue you think is has great primacy, and I would agree with you. The Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill was passed out of the Appropriations Committee in June. And yet Kevin McCarthy hasn't put it on the floor in more than 100 days. That, that is not serious. You know why Kevin McCarthy didn't move our border appropriations bill? Because the lobbyists and the special interests who own Kevin McCarthy want to put us in this position where we're backed up against the wall, facing shutdown politics. And what that does is it centralizes power to the people that they buy off with PAC donations and lobbyist donations. And then the membership doesn't get to Perfect. make real, real, real contributions to that process. I'm trying Perfect. to democratize it. The bills are being worked on. You just heard Jim Jordan say that they are efforting four bills this week, appropriations bills this week to get through. That would partially fund the government. Uh, the defense bill as well. You wanted the defense bill to move forward. Did you not? 
Yes, that's why I voted for it, and I voted for the rule to proceed onto it. And by the way, don't give Kevin McCarthy credit for the fact that we're moving on to these four appropriations bills. That was the deal that House conservatives foisted upon Kevin McCarthy. When he couldn't just move the big spending bills without moving the bills that cut spending, we said, no, 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 you have to move bills like the state and foreign ops bill because we don't think we should be borrowing money from China to go fund gay pride parades in Prague or LGBTQ uh, you know, seminars in Indonesia. We don't think that that's a good use of our money. And the right. only way to do this, Maria, is line by line. Kevin wants it in one big up or down vote. Keep the government open. Shut it down. I'm saying single subject spending well, bills. It's the only way to break the fever and liberate ourselves from this out of control spending. Well, he's doing the four bills next week. So I we're mean, making him. Because we're making he's him. doing it. So to push now to blow up all of the wins that you all have had now. Which seems- wins? Please enumerate that. Well, okay. Well, how about the fact that he has set up a weaponization committee to investigate the DOJ, whether they're involved in a cover-up? That's how about the process. fact that he has... Hold on. Wait how about the fact it? that he... Hold on. How about the fact that he has set up the China Select Committee to keep China to account? And, of course, he has launched this uh, inquiry into impeachment, potentially, for President Biden. Is that not what you want? None of those things are deliverables. Those are steps in a process. Setting up a committee is an end unto itself only in Washington, D.C. The American people demand results. Hold on, I let you talk. Okay, go ahead. These these committees have done nothing to reduce inflation. They've done nothing to actually constrain the Biden government. We can set up committees and have hearings and yell at people, but at the end of the day, if we still send the check to fund a weaponized government, having a weaponization subcommittee is little relief to the American American people. And if any of this was serious, we would be sending out subpoenas and compelling process the way the January 6th committee did. We should yeah. be operating like them. Instead, we're playing patty cake with the Bidens. We're allowing Actually, them to get away with it. And we're yeah. funding it. We're sending the money. If we were serious, use this, the power of the purse. The speaker joined me a week ago and told me that he will, in fact, subpoena Hunter Biden. He said at the appropriate time. But let's be well, it's clear. Been eight months. We would not when, when know do you any think of the appropriate this? Time we would is. not know How many any months of this? should the American people have to wait before that subpoena is sent? You tell me. We would we would not know any anything that we know about the Biden family. 176 suspicious activity reports, 20 shell companies set up while he was vice president, the whistleblower testimony. We would not know any of this if not for those committees that he set up exposing all of this. We just right, heard from Merrick Garland last it. week. But you, you have to follow that to its natural conclusion. It's not enough to expose facts that get people angry and animated. You then have to follow those facts to a conclusion and to accountability. You see, that's what Republicans Republicans are bad at. We're great at having the hearings and putting on the performances. But if you're still going to underwrite Biden's debt, which is what Kevin McCarthy did joining with Democrats on the debt limit deal. And if you're going to join up with Democrats to see, still fund his are government, Merrick Garland will sit there and he'll answer my tough questions and he'll smirk at me or he'll obfuscate. And then guess what? He goes back to the Justice Department and the coffers are full with money from the American taxpayer that gets turned against the brave patriots in this country. You know, what about the January 6th? Kevin not, promised he was going to release those. And he, I'm still yeah. waiting. Well, the January 6th tapes are available to anybody who wants to see them. He gave them and allowed Tucker Carlson and his true. team to see them. Yeah, if it you is walked true. In, 
No, Maria, they are not available to anyone who wants to see them. That is a that is a factual misstatement. They have been curated for some people in the media and some defense attorneys. But any American cannot you, see any of the January 6th. Are that you is a not false right now indirectly working with Democrats because you are going to allow Chuck Schumer to come up with a continuing resolution next week to fund the government? That's what your actions are doing. That's why some people feel this is a personal vendetta you have against the speaker. No, my vendetta is against a Washington system that allows corruption to put the interests of lobbyists and PACs above the interests of the American people. Kevin McCarthy facilitates that system, and I do deeply resent that. But I'm not working with Chuck Schumer or any other Democrat. I am the one working with House conservatives You're to require single-subject spending bills. No, no, no. You guys criticize me for forcing single-subject spending bills. Then you give cre- Kevin McCarthy the credit for doing it. The reality no, is agree. this is the only way agree. to liberate the single, the single bills. I think the single bills sound well, then right. Why hasn't I, I, he done them? It's September. We knew September 30th was coming all year. And Kevin McCarthy has been dilatory. He's been fiddling like as Nero as Rome Burns. As we understand it, they're doing this this upcoming week. So we will right, be watching because that. we are making them. They are doing it with a political gun to their head. And you are welcome, America. And we're going to keep making them do it. Congressman, thank you. Matt Gates joining us this morning in that thank exclusive. You. We'll be right back. How do you think they both feel about that issue? <laughs> Maria, yeah, I, I like her substantively. I've said this on this show before, but her voice just sends me over the top. She shrieks when she talks normally, and I just can't get used to that. Well, we're down to we only have two choices. We pass a continuing resolution, which means it's kind of like They hold all of the default stuff back for a period of time, probably 30, 45, 60 days. Spending stays the same, and that would give them time to get these appropriations bills not only written, get them to the House, get them approved, and then the Senate signs off on them so we can put this all to bed. There's a lot of finger-pointing that goes on. I'm one of those. You know it's going to happen. you got to pass this every year. Why didn't you do it? That's the number one job, House oversight. That's part of the constitutional responsibilities of the House of Representatives. Oversight means telling agencies how much money they can spend on the specific things that they can spend. Otherwise, you're not supposed to get it. Of course, Joe Biden, he thumbs his nose at that. He gives away billions of dollars with executive orders that are unconstitutional. Of course, nobody wants to talk about that except me. That's not true. A lot of other people do too. There are many people that feel the same way you feel and I feel. Bunches of them, far more than we probably even know. But they're just not talking about it. We're going to take a break on the other side of this. President Biden He showed over the weekend in a very public setting just how big a racist he is. I'm serious. That's next. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us. 
for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. <laughs> it's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. So our president is back at it again. He, um, he got a little carried away on stage yesterday. He is getting flack today for mispronouncing LL Cool J's name and using a derogatory term when speaking about the rapper. This was at an awards dinner in Washington. His comments came during a speech at the Congressional Black Caucus event where LL Cool J and MC Light were given Phoenix Awards. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America. L.L.J. Cool J. Uh, That's what Joe said. He called him L.L.J. Cool J. (laughs) And then he did his famous, uh... So the audience is heard laughing as Biden paused, then continued, by the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. He really said that. Social media users, quick with their responses. One person wrote, the real Joe Biden, old habits die hard. While another said, his true colors come out, dot, 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 again. On Thursday, you may remember this, he mistakenly praised the Congressional Black Caucus while he was delivering remarks at a gala for the Congressional Hispanic Caucus in the Capitol. Biden made the mistake while harping on award recipient Sister Norma Pimental, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley. He said this, I know Sister Norma lives the lessons nuns taught me growing up Lessons based on the gospel of Matthew, feed the hungry, care for the sick, welcome strangers, Biden stated. 
They echo what my dad taught me. And I mean this sincerely. He said, Joey, (laughs) he didn't say that here, but he does this all the time. He puts himself in a corner needlessly where when he says that, and I mean this seriously, or my dad told me, Joey, that means he's about to lie. My dad used to say, quote, everyone, everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect. The Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. Biden said identifying the wrong group completely. By the way, a recent CNN poll found almost half of Democrats and Democrat-leading independents worried about Biden's age. Most are concerned about the fact he's 80 years old and that it affects his physical and mental competence. And nobody can credibly deny that. I mean, it is absolutely, it, it doesn't matter how sad it is, it's true. And it's horrible, but it's a reality. My mother went the way, left this world because of cognitive decline that turned into full-blown dementia and Alzheimer's. Nobody knows if that's where Biden is, and we all pray and hope that it isn't. But obviously, he is not at the point where he is capable to make the decisions that anybody that serves in that office has got to make, and not just every once in a while, every day. With all this going on and it getting a little more demonstrative week after week after week, let me say this. We are closer. The Democrat Party, now remember, in the opening, I went postal on the Democrat Party. They're autocratic. They're the ones that want unilateral control of everything in the nation. And they're pushing very successfully and quickly towards that objective. To do that, they've got to move Joe Biden to the side. Do you think he's actually going to be able to run next year? Even if he is, I've already predicted this. Look, look for Michelle Obiden. I said Obiden. She's Michelle, oh my gosh, Michelle Obama. I feel confident that she's going to be the one who carries the Democrat Party banner next year. We won't even get into what that might look like. But it wouldn't be pretty. And that's not a racial statement or coming from any thoughts about racial ideology. It's about authoritarianism. That's what concerns me. So I know this may surprise you over the weekend on hearing about Bob Menendez's problems, his indictment, he and his wife up in New Jersey. Trump weighed in over the weekend and um, he called on Senate Democrats to resign for him in light of the Bob Menendez corruption charges. Now, he's not talking to just Menendez. He's saying Senate Democrats should all resign because they knew everything going on. I wonder if that's really true. I don't think even Donald Trump would say that unless there was some truth out there that confirmed it. Trump issued the call from his True Social page yesterday 
asking why the FBI never raided any Democrats' homes like they did his at Mar-a-Lago. Senate Democrats should all resign based on Bob Menendez. They all knew what was going on and the way he lived. Why doesn't the FBI raid Senate Democrats' homes like they illegally raided Mar-a-Lago where nothing was done wrong based on the Presidential Records Act? The former president then called Menendez a piker compared to what he referred to as election-stealing thugs. Can you imagine how much crooked Joe Biden has stolen and what's in some of his many homes? This is Donald Trump speaking. The FBI and Justice notified him that they would be going in to look in a few weeks, he continued. In other words, get rid of the cash, get rid of the gold and the documents, ASAP, before we get there. They didn't give me any warning. They just showed up. Several Democrats have called on Menendez to resign after this indictment, along with his wife, Nadine. The indictment also alleges that the senator accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bribes in exchange for favors from businessmen. Sound familiar? Under our legal system, Senator Menendez and the other defendants have not been found guilty and will have the ability to present evidence disputing these charges, we must respect that process. That's Democrat New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. However, the alleged facts are so serious that they compromise the ability of the senator to effectively represent the people of our state. Therefore, I am calling for his immediate resignation. And by the way, Menendez has said he will not resign, and he continues to deny any wrongdoing. Since this investigation was leaked nearly a year ago, no, wait a minute. If I'm on the level in investigations, Truth News Network and TNN Live, if this had been leaked anywhere, I would have heard about it. I've not heard a peep about it until this past Friday. He said since this investigation was leaked nearly a year ago, there has been an active smear campaign of anonymous sources and innuendos to create an air of impropriety where none exists, he said in a statement. The excess of these prosecutors is apparent. They have misrepresented the normal work of a congressional office. Now, let me tell you what that means, what they found. They found, they didn't say how much, but they found hundreds of thousands of dollars stuffed in clothing in his office, in his closet at his house. They found bars of gold stuck in his suit pockets hanging in the closet. Does that sound logical at all? I mean, if you've got a bunch of cash, if you've got gold bars, which is what they took from him, I don't know how much they took. But those are the things that you don't keep in your house. You have a safety deposit box at a bank or a savings and loan, and you keep it in there to be safe unless you don't want anybody to know about it. On top of that, not content with making false claims against me, he said, they have attacked my wife for the longstanding friendship she had before she and I even met. Well, that's usually part of the problem. When you get a new relationship, no matter if it comes from your wife's friends or 
some other opportunity and you're in politics, you're going to use every relationship you can get to better life for yourself. That's the way it seems to happen in every case. And by the way, it came out last night late. You're going to love this one. Senator Menendez's chief of staff asked Hunter Biden and his business partner, Eric Schwerwin, to invite then-Vice President Joe Biden to an annual economic summit foregoing typical channels to Joe Biden's White House office, emails unearthed this from Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, why would they want to do that? The emails depict just how close Hunter and his associate were to Joe Biden, who claimed to never speak about business with his son. Sherwin emailed Hunter Biden April 7th of 2010 about a call he got from Mendendez's chief of staff, a guy named Danny O'Brien, regarding an event Mendendez was wanting Joe Biden to come to. That's according to an email unearthed by not-for-profit Marco Polo. The email came days after O'Brien was turned down by Joe Biden's official office. On May 4th, Joe Biden's scheduling department email Menendez and O'Brien declining the offer to attend the Spain Council's annual forum. Dear Senator Menendez and Mr. O'Brien, thank you for inviting Vice President Biden to keynote the U.S.'s Spain Council's annual forum July 25th through uh, 23rd through 25th, 2010. Vice President Biden values each and every invitation he receives. The constraints of his schedule, however, and the volume of requests are such that the majority must be declined. It is with sincere regret that the vice president will be unable to keynote the forum. Thank you for your interest in including the vice president in your plans. We appreciate your understanding. Sincerely, the office of the vice president, office of scheduling. O'Brien emailed Sherwin on May 6th after Biden emailed a revised request to the White House for Joe Biden's attendance. Eric, please see the revised request I just sent to the VP's office. Any chance you could forward it to Hunter? Ambassador Solomon was in yesterday. We'll be broaching the matter with the vice president when they meet in Madrid later this week. And that was signed Danny. Danny O'Brien called. Now, this is Sherwin. He forwarded this request that came from Danny O'Brien. You just heard. He forwarded it to Hunter. It says, Danny O'Brien just called. Senator Menendez is U.S. chair of the above group. Spanish members include CEOs of the major banks, Banco Santander, etc., Iberdrola, Spanish Rail, etc., Ambassador Solomon is a big supporter, and JRB went to speak to group in Boca when a senator. Having their annual meeting in D.C. in July, Spanish Foreign Minister attends. Danny wants to explore with you possibility of getting VP to host at NAVOBS for the group, maybe even appearance at a reception at a hotel. I'll get more info, and we can discuss with Danny next week. I think Solomon mentioned your interest in Spain, and that is why Danny is calling us. Sounds interesting. Let's discuss. Probably don't want to mention the transatlantic in case we can't deliver, though, I guess. And they weren't done then. Think about this process that we're going through. 
They are pushing, getting told no. They are pushing harder, getting told no. And now they're pushing even harder. Two months later, O'Brien followed up with Hunter about the meeting. said this, Hunter, I hope you and your family are well. If you have a chance, can you give me a call? The senator and I are still trying to get the vice president to speak at the U.S. Bank Council's annual forum. Word from the VP staff is that was expected to be a very busy schedule around the time of the forum. July 24th is now showing some possibility of flexibility. I would like to get your reaction to the idea of the vice president delivering the keynote address at the closing dinner. If you can call, I'd greatly appreciate it. My work number, and he gave that work number and then gave him his cell number. Thanks and regards, and please send my regards to Bo. That's older brother Hunter Biden, big brother Bo, who died of brain cancer shortly after. The two agreed to speak later about the meeting. Of course, call tomorrow if anything changes, Hunter said. And it does not appear that Biden attended the event. According to the organization's website, the U.S.-Spain Council creates economic investment opportunities for both nations through bilateral trade. Hey, hey, hey. Bilateral trade. That is one where everybody, everybody gets a piece of the pie. And that's what it's all about. Now, if you look at the state of the political process going on right now and all the moving parts in the Biden administration, I mean, everything, there is nothing that's calm or at peace in his administration. Everything's in uproar and chaos. And you know what? I don't think that's accidental. I think it's purposeful. Because when there are more things happening, some good, some bad, but when there are buttloads full of stuff stretched across the landscape of the months and the years of a presidency. You keep people's attention diverted, and therefore some of the stuff that you really don't want the public to see, if they see or hear anything about it, it's just dropped in there, it's momentary, and then it's gone because it may not seem to be a really, really big deal. So with this stuff that's been going on now for several years, it's all over the news pretty much every day. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, all those kinds of things. How do you think it makes Dad Biden feel? Now put that in the context of what most Americans believe that he feels, and that is guilt, because most Americans believe he did benefit from all this Hunter Biden stuff. Listen to what Joe is actually saying about what's going on right now. President Biden has, quote, lamented aloud that he might be dead (laughs) before his son. Hunter's case would be resolved. Hunter Biden was indicted, of course, on three federal gun charges last week. He's now facing prison time, which is probably uh, wildly unlikely. But but Ryan, your thoughts on what happens here in in terms of uh, the 24 election? I mean, if he makes it through the next uh, election cycle, he'll be 86 by the time he finishes his term. Um, so are we really voting for Kamala here? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering, because, you know, bottom line is, I, I, you know, I don't know if he could make it through a whole other election cycle. So I think it's a big problem. And that age thing is just remarkable to think he'd be 86 by the end of it. Yeah. You know what I think is what's going to happen here, Doug Collins, and mm-hmm. you tell me if I'm onto something. It can't look like Gavin Newsom 
pushed out Kamala Harris. <laughs> she can't do that, pushing out the, the, the first female vice president. Think about that. He's afraid he's going to die before the Hunter Biden thing gets resolved. Now, why would that, why would that concern him? I know dads want everything to work out for their kids. I get that. That's, that's certainly part of it. There is no question that's part of it. But let me tell you what I think is really going on there. I think he's worried about it because of the plan. Now, I don't know actually if there is a plan like I'm going to spell out, but I've told you this before. It seems realistic and reasonable. It seems plausible to think that if and when Hunter is convicted for any of this stuff and gets sentenced to jail, his dad as the president will be able to exonerate him, give him a full pardon. I mean a total pardon where it doesn't ever even show back up on his records. Joe doesn't know how long this is going to drag out. He would like for it to whatever is going to happen and whatever role it gets to in this thing, he would like for it to be resolved because then he could do something about it. And he's only got till pretty much the first of not this year coming up, but the next year after the election and before the next presidential inauguration in January of 2014, uh, 2015, actually, 2025. I know, I know somebody out there hollered that I'm sure, but you know what, you know, what's this is what's going on. It's CYA stuff. Cover your arse. And he's thinking about it not because it is the right thing to do, because the right thing to do would be to sit down with Hunter and just come clean and go before the public and just tell them what happened and then resign from office. That would be the right thing. I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my opinion. I just don't see it. Representative Clyburn from South Carolina, African-American. He's been in Congress a long time. He's considered the voice of the Democrat Party, the conservative side of the Democrat Party. James Clyburn, yesterday on Meet the Press, NBC's Meet the Press, he said this, Republicans opened an impeachment inquiry against President Biden for one reason, and it's because... Quote, he was being a father to his son. Clyburn's saying the whole reason this impeachment inquiry was open is because he was being a father to his son. Now, I don't know all of the inside skinny and stuff, but that seems like a really far reach to me. Anchor Kristen Welker said this, This is on Meet the Press. Let me ask you about the impeachment inquiry that's going on to unfold this week on Capitol Hill. I know you and your Democrats have called this pure politics, but big picture, they're trying to see if there's any link between Hunter Biden and the president and his business dealings. Are you comfortable of a family member profiting off the last name in this town? 
Clyburn responded, quote, you know, we all to some extent live so that our children can be proud of the name that we've given them. I have three daughters and I want them to feel very comfortable being a Clyburn. I do know that that is very, very important for going forward, but that doesn't mean they want him to do things that are unseemly to their name. I do want them to use the name to their benefit. And Welker said this, yet President Biden, according to one witness testimony, was on the phone 20 times with Hunter Biden's business associates and described as pleasantries. But is that appropriate? Clyburn said, I think it's appropriate to be a father to your son. And if your son is having a problem, and we all know the history of the problem that Hunter has with addiction, and he's being a father to his son. You don't impeach a man for being a father to his children. Seriously? Is that something that is realistic to say about all this? There is no way I could say that. Absolutely no way I could say that. And you know what? I don't think it's even close to factual. I think what's going on is they're afraid of getting caught, being embarrassed publicly, and going to jail. That's what's at stake for them. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third bathroom a river runs through the bathroom for someone suffering with sucrose intolerance a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom if you're experiencing chronic diarrhea gas stomach pain and bloating remember sucrose intolerance or csid can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test visit sucroseintolerance.com for over 75 years people have saved money with with sorry here we go from the top and action for over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. So Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> For over 75. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I just really like Bill Withers. He's a great singer, great songwriter. He was from the school of entertainment, probably the one before me. 
I saw him in concert when I was in college at Louisiana Tech. And I want to say he was in his 40s at that particular time. And that's been a long time ago, folks. I went to Louisiana Tech in the fall of 71. Whew, that is a long time ago. So he died last year, I believe, maybe the year before. But boy, he could put out some great music when he was on the trail. He was. I mentioned some different numbers, potential fraudulent cash recipient numbers by Biden family members. And I think when this inquiry starts at some point, this impeachment inquiry, we're going to hear witness testimony that brings this out. Republican lawmakers have predicted in their investigation that the Biden family could prove the Biden business raked in more than $50 million. That's about $30 million more than the bank records have shown so far. Based on the evidence I've seen, I think the number is going to be north of $50 million that we're talking about here. That's from Nancy Race, representative Republican from South Carolina. Throughout the investigation, the Oversight Committee has uncovered several tranches of Biden business bank records. Those showed the Biden business received at least $20 million from business schemes in Romania, China, Russia, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. In total, nine Biden family members got payments from the family foreign business ventures, including two of Joe Biden's grandchildren. This will go down as one of the most politically corrupt presidents and families in U.S. history, Representative Mace said. And we've got to show and prove it to the American people. We've got to show them everything that we have. So she was talking with Fox News' Sean Hannity and House Oversight Committee Chair Comer said he supports Mace's $50 million prediction. Think about that. Do you believe that number is realistic and right, Hannity asked. Comer, I do think it's realistic. Noting the committee has yet to uncover personal bank records of Jim Biden, Joe Biden's brother, who secretly negotiated a $140 million settlement deal in 2012 between a U.S. company and the Saudi Arabian government due to his relationship with then-Vice President Joe Biden, court documents revealed. We haven't gotten to Jim Biden, Comer said. The subpoena for Jim's personal bank records will be the first crack at Jim Biden. Remember, Jim Biden didn't leave a laptop lying around, so it's not as easy to track his transactions. Why Why here are we this week? And Comer says the subpoena for Jim's personal bank records will be the first crack at Jim Biden. Why hadn't that already been sent out? Why hadn't one been sent out to Hunter Biden? The American people want this thing resolved. Get it resolved. Do everything and absolutely do it quickly. If you're in the right, and you know that when you subpoena this stuff, they're not going to say, oh, okay, come get it, or I'll bring it to the office. They're going to fight it in court. The American people, we need to get this thing settled. Good, bad, ugly. If he did something wrong, find out who did it, how wrong it is. Let's have a trial and get it resolved. If the president's involved, let's find out. 
Let's get the information. I know they're not standing in line with their bank records in hand to just give to you. I know that. But you've got to use the subpoena power. And what you have now is you have a little louder noise in the media to make your case. So make your case. Please make your case and let's get it done. Our buddy Steve Baker, who was all over and still is all over the January 6th stuff, he's now affiliated with the Blaze Network. I'm sure you saw the article that was published last Friday at the Blaze Network, and we published it the exact same time. If you haven't, go to truthnewsnet.org and take a look at it. It'll chill you. And it is factual information. With all that being said, one of the people in the J6 investigation that has not been talked to very much, who had a very responsible position in that whole thing, is the Capitol Police Chief. So guess what happened? He went on the public, and he came out and publicly called what Nancy Pelosi said, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, when she was Speaker and January 6th happened, she lied about the National Guard stuff. Here he is himself to explain it. And I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call, you didn't have two calls, you had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. Today we're here to discuss the security failures that occurred on January 6, 2021, and how we can prevent these failures from occurring again. I want to dive into the questions, uh, Chief Sun. In your transcribed interview, you mentioned that you met with the House Sergeant-at-Arms regarding the National Guard prior to January 6th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And who is the House Sergeant-at-Arms uh, leading up to and on January 6th? Uh, that would be Paul Irving. And the, the House Sergeant-at-Arms is appointed by who? I was appointed uh, that, at that time by Speaker Pelosi. And in your transcribed interview, you mentioned that when you first brought up the National Guard to the House Sergeant-at-Arms in the days leading up to January 6th, uh, that Mr. Irving said he, quote, didn't like the optics, end quote. Is, is that correct? That, that is correct. He, uh, he referenced being concerned for optics. And on January 6th, when you went to Mr. Irving to get his approval to call in the Guard, Mr. Irving said he would, quote, run it up the chain. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. That was a telephone call. I didn't see him in person when I first made that request. The House Sergeant at Arms is considered probably the most senior security official on the House side. Uh, when Mr. Irving says yes to, quote, run it up the chain, end quote, what did that mean? Uh, I took that to mean his leadership chain. In, in who would be his leadership chain? It would if be he's, he's, he's functionally the most senior uh, security official on the House side, correct? That's his, that's his title. That's part of the title, the senior uh, law enforcement official for the House of Representatives. But he would have been referring to the leadership team that goes up to uh, Speaker Pelosi. So the, the political leadership team, meaning meaning elected officials, not, not another security official. Is that your that, that is correct, sir. He's the top security official for the House. So running up the chain would most likely, in, or in your opinion, is, is through the Speaker's office and possibly to Speaker Pelosi? That would be where it end, yes. Okay, so... so Let's park that there, and then let's jump to a second set here. Um, In a press conference on January 7th, Speaker Pelosi called for your resignation on national television. 
Speaker Pelosi also stated that she had not talked to you since the initial breach of the Capitol. But according to your transcribed interview, you were on the phone with Speaker Pelosi a few times. Uh, can you explain that discrepancy? Yeah, that is, uh, that, that is correct. I, I spoke to Speaker Pelosi um, three times uh, that, that evening. And uh, she went on national TV and said I'd never spoken to her. But I spoke to her three times. Um, the three, uh, three times were the first time when I went over to brief uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence at the secure location. Um, I had called uh, um, House Sergeant Arms Irving, told him I was going over to brief the uh, Vice President. I was also going over to do a personal assessment of the Capitol. At that point, things were getting under control. Uh, went over there, briefed him on when we can get them back into chambers with you know, uh, Mr. Irving being fully aware. Uh, he said he wanted to get Speaker Pelosi on the phone. He made a phone call from his cell phone at approximately 534, uh, where I first briefed Speaker Pelosi. Uh, the second call was when I left that location. As I was walking away, I met up with Mr. Stinger, and we started walking over to the Senate to go brief the Senate. When uh, Jennifer Hemingway, I believe it was Jennifer Hemingway, handed me the cell phone, and it was Emily Barrett's cell phone calling her, and it was Speaker Pelosi on the other line. This is my call, second call with Speaker Pelosi questioning the information I'd given to uh, Vice President Pence about when we can get back into chambers. I assured her that information was correct. I could get them back into chambers by 7, uh, 7 p.m., and the call ended. That was call number two. Call number three was 6.25 p.m. I was over at the Senate uh, from the secure location, I mean, from where the Senate had been sequestered, uh, and on a uh, cell phone using Robert Karam's cell phone, they dialed leadership, who was over off-site at a secure location, and I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call. You didn't have two calls. You had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. Let me, let me shift gears and go back uh, as it relates to the optics of bringing people up to Capitol Hill and, and running things up the chain of command, ultimately, to the Speaker's office. Do you think Speaker Pelosi's office uh, or Speaker Pelosi herself um, politicized Capitol security? Um, I, I, have, I, have no, I have no idea on that, sir. Okay. Uh, any other clarifications you'd like to make as it relates to Speaker Pelosi's comments that you didn't speak to her? Um, I just, you know, wish she had considered that, wish she had considered some of the stuff that I've faced and the efforts I went through uh, to bring in the outside resources uh, on that day before she called for our resignation. Thank you very much uh, for being here. I yield back. There are just so many moving parts in all of these conversations about this stuff that just smell bad. Now think about that. Nancy Pelosi called him three times. There's a record of those phone calls somewhere. After all, it happened in the U.S. Capitol. Everything that happens in the U.S. Capitol, phone, video, everything is recorded. There's no question about it. Everything has to be vetted, documented, chronicled, and put up and stored somewhere. Well, maybe that's not so. We heard and were told, little bird that spends a lot of time in D.C., not mentioning any names, told me that apparently most of the testimony and the evidence that was presented in the January 6th insurrection trial or hearings or whatever you want to call them have just mysteriously been destroyed. I wonder if that's true. And if it is, I wonder who initiated it. And I wonder who's out there that knows 
that could be uh, talked into testifying to put some of this on the record. It's just level, level, level after level on top. There's one, two, three, layer after layer of falsehoods and gross misrepresentations. And just keep in the back of your mind, these people work for you and me. Oh, by the way, a fourth IRS agent has come forward and says that D.C. and California prosecutors blocked charges against Hunter Biden. You can't make this stuff up. This guy's come forward. IRS agent Daryl Walden. He echoed whistleblower Gary Shapley's testimony that prosecutors in D.C. and California blocked now special counsel David Weiss from charging Hunter Biden in those jurisdictions. Mr. Weiss went to the U.S. Attorney's Office and they did not agree to prosecute the case in D.C. Walden told this to the House Ways and Means Committee hearing during a transcribed interview in September. I'm aware that it was presented to the District of Columbia and at some point the Central District of California. Walden's transcribed interview comes after he was previously confirmed Shapley's claims in April of political interference. Walden later left the Hunter case for another responsibility within the IRS. As the investigation moved forward, Weiss never charged Hunter in the jurisdictions of Washington or California. Instead, he formed a sweetheart plea agreement with Hunter that collapsed in July under judicial scrutiny. Shapley's testimony in April reportedly triggered that plea deal. You can't make it up. It's there. It's real. All this stuff is real. And yes, I'm frustrated as you can possibly believe. Thank you for being here today. Steve Baker will join us tomorrow, and he's got some goodies for you you don't want to miss. Until then, until tomorrow, have a great Monday. So long, everybody.
Just my